This is Ragweed, Chapter 4, To the City. All that night, the freight train carrying Ragweed rambled, rumbled on. He was too excited to sleep. Instead, he remained by the open door and watched the passing scene. And pass it did. One rapid vision after another flashed before his eager eyes. No sooner did he see something of great interest, barely grasping what it was, than it vanished, to be replaced by something just as new, just as fascinating. The one constant was the moon, which remained in the night sky like an old friend. At first, there were many trees, but there were fewer as the train rushed on. There were also structures, large and dark, which fit the description the old vole had provided for human nests. Now and again, they contained gleaming lights. Once the mouse thought he saw the silhouetted form of a human pacing before what looked like a window. It went by so quickly, however, that it was impossible to be sure. Sometimes there were clusters of these human nests. Ragweed, again recalling the vole's words, decided these clusters were towns. It made him wonder where the train was heading. Not that there was any question about getting off while it was moving. That would have been foolish. But when the train stopped, should he jump off right away or wait for some other place? Laughing at himself, Ragweed acknowledged the wonderful fact that it did not matter where he got off. Everything he saw and did would be new. It was just the life he desired. So he sat and watched and thirsted for more. The train, clacking rhythmically over the rails, rushed on through the night. Now and again, its whistle blew, whoop, whoop. Long, low, and melodic it was. The most powerful sound that Ragweed had ever heard. He decided it was the train's song, the song of a wanderer, a song about a heroic search for adventures far from home, humming along. He made it his own. <laughs> it was not until dawn that the train began to slow down. Ragweed had fallen asleep at last, but the moment the train reduced its speed, he woke, alert and watching intently. There were many human nests to see now. All in neat rows they were, with prim, grassy areas before them, as well as an occasional tree. How orderly, Ragweed thought with puzzlement. He decided he must be coming to a city. Sure enough, within moments, he spied a large sign. It read, Welcome to Amperville, a clean, decent place to live and work. For the first time, he saw humans clearly. He was shocked by their size, by how little fur they had, how each one was covered by a different mix of colors. He also spotted what looked like little trains. They were box-like metallic things, brightly colored, each with a human inside and two bright lights in front. There were many of them, and they moved very fast. <laughs> Heart beating fast with anticipation, Ragweed edged closer to the doorway, stuck his nose over the threshold, and peered down. It was a long way. Nevertheless, he prepared to leap, but the train did not stop. It continued to roll with just enough speed to make a premature departure dangerous. Other human nests passed by. Soon, however, they grew fewer in number, and those that Ragweed saw seemed to run down and wrecked. Here and there, he saw more of those metallic boxes. They were not moving. Instead, they appeared to have been discarded and torn apart. One or two were even upside down with wheels to the sky like a dead creature. The bright colors turned to a uniform dark brown. The train slowed to a crawl. A series of bumps and thumps followed until it came to a complete halt. The whistle sounded a long, low, mournful shriek as if to say goodbye. Not far from the train, Ragweed spied a number of dilapidated human nests. They looked abandoned. Among scrawny bushes, there were more of those broken, twisted metallic boxes. Closer by was a heap of objects containing food bits, bottles, cans, boxes, papers, and the sorts of things that sometimes mysteriously found their way to the brook. Plus, lots of other things. Ragweed could not identify near... Identify. 
Nearby was another pile. This one made what looked like chunks of white clay. The whole scene appeared grim and lifeless. Then he glanced down at the ground right beneath him. Sitting amid the gravel, long fluffy tail waving menacingly, was a large furry white beast. In all his life, Ragweed had never actually seen a cat. Like all mice, however, he knew a great deal about them by way of countless scary stories. So it was that Ragweed needed only to see Silversides to know that here was a cat, and she was his enemy. Sure enough, the cat called out in a shrill, angry voice, If I were you, mouse, I'd keep going. Amperville doesn't like strangers. Certainly not strangers who are mice. This is a clean, decent place. To make her point, she opened her mouth wide, revealing a pink tongue, a deep, dark gullet, and many sharp, white teeth. Ragweed was too horrified to say anything. Not so the cat. She hissed, then she spat, spewing upon Ragweed. The next moment, though she had been sitting, she leaped in the next moment, though she had been sitting, she leaped into the boxcar. She would have landed right on Ragweed if the frightened mouse had not lost his footing and tumbled. Landing on the gravel by the side of the train tracks, a frantic Ragweed twisted around and looked up. The white cat glared dang- angrily down at him from the boxcar. If you're looking for a fight, mouse, you've come to the right town. <laughs> She said, tensing her muscles. She prepared to jump again. Ragweed did not wait. He bolted up and began to run as fast as he could. A thud sounded behind him. Without looking, he knew the cat was after him. Outsider! Silverside screeched, Stranger! Searching desperately for a place of safety, Ragweed dashed on. He stole a glance over his shoulder. The cat was loping along behind him, a horrid grin upon her face. She was enjoying the chase. Get out of town, mouse, she screeched. Felines first! Fear rules. Leave on your own before you're dragged up by your tail. Desperate, Ragweed dove into the jumble of junk he'd observed from the boxcar and crawled into a can, only to find himself knee-deep in gooey red sauce. Almost faint from the fumes, he shot out of the can and became momentarily entangled in a twist of wires. Pulling free, he paused to listen. The cat was right behind him. From the wires, Ragweed squeezed under a moldy pages full of words, worked his way around some collapsed boxes. The words cornflakes were one of them, then crawled over old pickles and reeking tubs of decaying food. <laughs> that brought him to the other side of the pile. <clears throat> he looked out. Fifteen yards in front of him were some run-down human nests, but before them sat one of those large metallic boxes of a rusty brown color. Not only did the box appear to be broken, but its wheels were hard to see, sunk deep into the earth. On the side of the one nearest ragweed was the small was a small hole at ground level. He was sure that if he could get through that hole, he would be safe from the cat. <laughs> Crouching, he listened intently for some hint as to the cat's location. What he heard was more pushing and pulling, suggesting the cat was still behind him. But getting closer, Ragweed was sure he had no choice. To stay meant certain death. He had to bolt. Farewell, Mom, he whispered. Farewell, Dad. With that, he galloped out from beneath the pile. Almost instantly, there was a hideous yowl behind him. Without looking, Ragweed knew the cat was on his tail. This time, she was not holding back. The mouse ran as he'd never run in his life. Great, bounding, stiff tail leaps that took him closer and closer to the metal box. But when he reached it, he discovered to his horror that the hole was blocked from inside by a piece of wood. Desperate, he, craw- he clawed at the wood. It did not budge. He, lock- he looked back. The cat was crouching barely a yard away, belly to the ground, yellow eyes fixed on him like daggers. Sequins flashing, claws flexed, tail waving, rump wiggling. The cat was preparing her deadly pounce. Chapter 5, Clutch 
Ragweed pressed against a blocked hole, only to have it suddenly open. A paw reached out, grabbed Ragweed's shoulder, and pulled him forcibly inside. Then, just as Silversides was completing her pounce, the piece of wood for that was that, that was blocking the hole slammed in her face. Stunned, a panting Ragweed lay upon a not very clean rug. It took a moment before he could focus. A female mouse was looking down at him. She was tall and thin as a stick, though her leanness suggested toughness, not nothing brittle. Her fur was gray-brown in color except for the top of her head, which had been dyed green. Her nose was blunt, her whiskers poorly groomed. From her left ear dangled a purple plastic bead at the end of a tiny chain. Hey, dude, what's up, she said. Ragweed blinked. What? Like silver sides almost snuff you, mouse. Silver sides? Hey, Mouse, you say you didn't see that sucker coming down on you? You mean that cat? The mouse laughed. Like she wasn't a bus, was she? Not understanding what was being said to him, Ragweed looked around the space into which he had been pulled. It had a lofty ceiling with windows all around the top. At one end, there was a wheel attached to a bar that stuck out from the, from the wall. Another stick-like thing rose from the floor. What is this place? Ragweed asked. It's a Ford Mustang, the mouse replied. 66 hardtop, like tight, right? Oh, Ragweed said, not particularly enlightened. The car was astonishingly messy. Off to one side was an unkept mound of shredded cloth, a bed. Ragweed guessed. Crumbs lay scattered everywhere. Pieces of paper littered the area. A strip of wood with four wheels, Ragweed had no idea what that was, had been tossed into a corner. A wooden spoon on which several strings had been stretched from a narrow end to the wide end was affixed to a wall. You got a name, dude? The mouse asked. Ragweed. That's cool, the mouse said. What's it mean? Mean? Well, I suppose it's a plant, but I never think of it that way. Awesome, the city mouse said and held out a paw. Ragweed offered his, offered his, but instead of shaking it, the, the house mouse slapped it. Gotcha, she said. May I ask your name, Ragweed inquired politely. Clutch. Clutch? Clutch, dude, they get a car. And, 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 and a car, Ragweed inquired. Clutch laughed. What you sitting in, dude? Big metal things on wheels with motors, stink and noise. They haul people around. Oh, yes, and thanks for saving me. Hey, no problem. See, that Silversides is an uptown cat. She and her pal Graybar hang around, you know, sort of like guards. Like, they go for any little meat on the feet with a different beat. Know what I'm saying? Bad to the bone. Ragweed shuddered, I guess. I mean, she heads up an organization called Felines Enraged About Rodents, Fear, trying to keep the town clean and pure. Like, they don't want any riffraff, that's us mice, coming in. And what's already here, see, has to be right, decent, and respectful. That is right, decent, and respectful, according to them. Know what I'm saying? What's a rodent, Ragweed asked. Like a fancy name for mouse, Clutch said. Hey, mouse, exactly. How new are you around here? I just got off the train. From the country? How did you know? Hey, I see it all the time. The train pulls in, dude's getting off to take a peek. Know what I'm saying? Trying to get a life, right? Want to check things out, but like, you're also green. The grass is envious. Oh, Ragweed said. Anyway, welcome to where it's at, Mouse. You want action? You planted right. Like I'm saying, dude, this place, Mouse Town, ain't pretty, but hey, it's cool. This... <clears throat> This town hops. This town does tricks. You do it right. It's totally rave. Awesome. Check it out. Ragweed blinked. I beg your pardon? Like this is Fat City, Clutch went on. It's down, sweet tide, out of town, downtown, the hot spot. It rules. The cool enough to hang with me, dude. You cool enough to hang with me, dude? 
Actually, I'm quite warm, replied an utterly bewildered ragweed. I had to run very fast to get away from that cat. Clutch laughed. Hey, Mouse, you are seriously alien. Look, when I say cool, I mean, you know, like it's good. Get it? Fat? Fat? That means cool, dude. Sweet. Yeah, okay. Uh, yes, thanks. Uh, I hope I'm fat. Sort of, ragweed stammered. Do you live here? Yo, dude, this is my pad. I can think of other cars I'd like better, but being on my own is my thing. Took what I could get. The freedom is worth it, Mouse. Like, so sweet. My buds come, they go. A few parties to lighten the load now and then. Know what I'm saying? Mostly, though, just me, dude. I rip for liberty. Like, dude, dude I do what I do when I feel like doing it. And, and what exactly do you do? Ragweed asked. Hey, dude, I see it this way. Nothing happens in the world without noise. Know what I'm saying? So I'm a musician. Make the sound. Tickle the strings. Like, that's my axe over there, see? Clutch nodded to the wooden spoon with threads on it that hung on the wall. I'm afraid I don't know what that is, Ragweed said. Clutch gazed at him in wonderment. It's a guitar, dude. Hey, like, you, you really must be some kind of Zeke. A what? Never mind, Clutch said with a grin. Like, there's two things I'm into. Music, you know, rock and roll, and the skateboard scene. I've got wheels and a way down funky band. We call ourselves the B-flat tires. Pretty cool, don't you think? Actually, we're one short. I mean, ragweed. I'm puffing serious about Silverside. It's like, she chewed muffler last week. Know what I'm saying? Said she didn't like his singing. Said only cats should do that. Makes me want to uncork my guts. Who was Muffler, Ragweed asked. Our lead singer. Hey, dude, can you sing? I I don't think so. Oh, I lost my page. Oh, you gotta wait for me to find my page. Okay, got it. I don't think so. Bummer. We could use another throat. Anyway, dude, you can crash here as long as you want. Make yourself at home. Just be cool and keep one eye peeled for Silversides and other cats. Know what I'm saying? I'm really not sure, Ragweed admitted. Well, anyway, you're in, dude. Like, give me four. Four what? Four to the paw, mouse. Clutch held up her paw. Ragweed reached out to shake it. Instead, Clutch slapped down on his paw, laughing. Hey, mouse, I feel I'm getting Christopher Columbus. You know, welcome to the rest of the world, dude. Like, we're here. What took you so long? I think I better get some sleep, Ragweed said. His head was swirling. Right, mellow out, kick back, chill, and sleep in. Like, I do it all the time, but for now, I got some things to do. Whatever, just make sure you don't let Silversides in. Ragweed looked around anxiously. Will she try? Hey, dude, Clutch went on. That cat's serious bad news. That's why I have a bolt hole out, for, out back. But look, if Silversides wants you out, dude, she's not going to rest till you're heading for heaven in an Indy 500. Know what I'm saying? Can you handle it? Take the heat with the chill. Uh, I think so, Ragweed said, though he could not help wondering if it meant not to be wise to save time in his life to catch the next train right out of Amberville. Chapter 6. Fear. Having failed to catch Ragweed, an angry, frustrated Silverside slunk home. There he hoped she would find some comfort, perhaps a chin stroke from a human, a fondle behind the ears. Using her head to butt open the cat flap that had been installed in the back of the house, she went to the girl's room. The girl, however, would have nothing to do with her. Once again, a mouse, Blinker this time, stood in Silverside's way. There were times Silverside was convinced that if she could just get her paws in that horrid white rodent, much that was, much that was wrong in the world in her life would be made right. Unfortunately, the girl was too protective. Telling herself she preferred to be left alone, Silversides took a few chews of the dry, gritty food bits in her bowl, lapped up two licks of stale water, then retreated to her bed by the furnace. 
Though Silversides tried to settle down, she remained agitated. In her mind, she kept seeing Ragweed pinned against the hole in the car. She knew she would have caught him too if some mouse had not interfered. All she saw of that mouse was the green fur on its head. For the rest of the afternoon, Silversides lay fuming on her bed, on her rug. By early evening, she was intensely restless, feeling a need to do something to calm her anger. Then she thought of Blinker, the white mouse upstairs. Maybe tonight she would be lucky enough to catch the vermin, or at least to torment him. Rousing herself, the white cat crept to the top floor of the house by way of the back stairs. Stealthily, she moved toward the girl's room. To her great joy, the door had been left ajar. A small shove and Silverside slipped into the room. There she paused. Though, through the light, though the light was dim, her vision was good. Her sense of smell was better. The scent of mouse was overwhelming. Blinker was close. What a pleasure, thought Silversides, to nab him and drag him through the, from the girl's room. It just had to be done quietly so no one would know what happened. Treading lightly, Silversides let her nose guide her forward. Within moments, she knew exactly where the white mouse was on the girl's bed. The cat rose up on her hind legs. Sure enough, there lay Blinker, sleeping on the pillow, a few inches from the girl's head. <laughs> the spot where Silversides used to sleep, the cat's wrath boiled. Silently, she sprang up on the bed, then slithered forward on her belly. A yard from the mouse, she tensed her rear legs and waggled her rump. After a count of three, she jumped. As she did, her rear foot scraped the girl's blanket. That was enough sound for Blinker. His eyes popped open. He saw the cat midair squeaking with terror. He dived for protection and for the protection of the girl's hair. The girl, disturbed, shifted her head. Though Silversides knew she was going to miss the mouse, it was too late to hold back. When she came down, she landed right on the girl's face. The girl screamed, sat up, grabbed the cat, and flung her away. Silversides, managing to twist about, landed on her feet and galloped from the room. As she raced down the hall, she heard the girl scream, Keep out, you awful cat! In a rage even greater than usual, Silversides tore out of the house. At first, she had no thought where she was going. Very soon, however, she veered toward Graybar's home. The vice president of fear lived a few city blocks away in a reeking old sewer. It took but moments to reach. Graybard was eating from a pile of discarded chicken innards and bones. Hey, pal, Graybard said when Silversides appeared. Good timing. Eats, babe. I'm not hungry, the white cat said. Food stolen from garbage was but one of Graybard's habits Silversides endured. I'm mad. No big deal, Graybard sneered as he twitched a ragged ear. You're always mad. What got you this time? Silversides, recount Silversides recounted not only how she had failed to catch ragweed, but what had happened regarding Blinker. Graybar nodded with sympathy. Ever notice that when these mice get away, it's never on their own, always depending on someone else. They gang up on us. They are vicious, Silverside agreed. Tell you what, though, Graybar said, crunching an old chicken leg bone in two with his rear teeth. I've got some good news. I need some. I found one of their clubs. They call it the Cheese Squeeze Club. Silversides' gloom dropped away. Her claws tingled. Where is it? Down on Durham Street. Used to be a shoeshine shop. How about you and me going over and brightening things up? I'd love to, Silverside said. You're on, babe. Soon as I eat this chicken heart, we'll go get us some mice for dessert. Chapter 7. Blinker. Blinker the White Mouse was the object of Silverside's rage. Had been, he had been bred from a laboratory, for laboratory research. His fur was pure white, his tail naked, his toes and nose pink. The slightest noise made him jump. 
The merest hint of danger brought fits of trembling. His eyes, so pink they looked bloodshot, could not bear bright light. In fact, that caused him to blink a great deal. Though he was a frail creature, life had treated Blinker relatively kindly. Instead of becoming part of an experiment, he had gone into a pet store. When still an infant, he had been purchased by the girl who lived in Silverside's house. It was she who gave him his name. The girl cared for Blinker a great deal. A cage complete with an exercise wheel was bought, along with a sack of the best mouse chow and bottle of spring water. Sweet-smelling cedar chips lined his cage. The girl fed Blinker on schedule, never failing to provide fresh water or to change his cage chips regularly. When he went home from school, she lavished affection on him, kissing and talking to him, carrying him, carrying him about in her hands, on her shoulder, even in her pocket. She often brought him table scraps, candy, ear, candy, carrot bits, sugar cubes. Though Blinker was supposed to live in the cage, she kept, the girl kept its door open. The only thing that the mouse was not allowed to do was leave the room. You are my blinky, winky, mousy, wousy, and I don't want you gobbled up by that nasty, wasty cat, the girl crooned to the mouse, so you must stay in your own room. Blinker quickly learned the wisdom of this policy. Each encounter with Silversides proved dangerous. Not that Blinker ever learned why he was the object of so much hatred. It was simply a fact of life. Since the girl went to school and was active in sports, Blinker spent most of the time alone. With the door to the room closed, he spent hours sitting by the window, gazing at the world beyond. To the young mouse, who had no experience other than the girl's room and his brief sojourn in the pet shop, the outside world was mysterious and appealing. Yet all he saw was a street, a park, other houses, humans, and many cars. Not once did he see another mouse. Hardly a wonder. Then, what that, then, that Blinker came to believe that all mice, if there were any mice, were like him. The same color, the same life, the same long, lonely hours staring at the windows from inside houses. As time went by, Blinker wished the girl would allow him a taste of the outside world. She never did, not once. There were moments Blinker felt a little peculiar about his desire to go beyond the room in the house. Perhaps he told himself this longing to explore was unnatural. Did he not have a life that included freedom of the room, all the food he could eat, as well as a clean cage with an exercise wheel? After all, he never saw other mice. Why should he want to go out? Full of guilt, he made himself do extra laps on the cage wheel by way of punishment. Between his desire and his guilt, he kept slim, trim, and fit. Then one day, the girl made an announcement. Blinker, I have to write a report for school, and I have decided to write it about you. I need to explain all about mice and how you are the most special creature in the world. Shortly afterward, the girl brought home an armful of books. There was the Oxford Illustrated History of Mice, Martha Stewart's Your House and Your Mouse, and the Book of World Mice. There was fiction about mice, too, such as the story of a bad mouse, Runaway Ralph, Stuart Little, Abel's Island, and Red Wall, and others. Blinker had never been much of a reader. The girl's books usually held little interest for him. He avoided them, except when he now and again would chew their bindings. In the current matter, he had little choice. The girl not only read to him aloud, but she insisted he read by her side. At first, a reluctant reader, Blinker quickly became deeply absorbed in the books about mice, Long after the girl went to sleep, he pored over them. When the girl was at school, he read even more. These books altered Blinker's view of the world forever. He discovered that there were many kinds of mice, that most mice lived not in rooms but out in the world, that mice had families, and that most of them lived free and independent lives. In short, to Blinker's utter astonishment, he discovered that the way he lived was the exception. He went on to read everything in the girl's room he could, get his paws on. In doing so, he became highly educated. 
The new knowledge made Blinker almost breathless with excitement. Now, when he looked out the window, he saw things differently than before. The world, he realized, was something in which he might take part. He began to think he had a right to explore it to make his own decisions as to where he lived. His freedom to go anywhere in the room was nothing more than the freedom to wander about a large cage. Now he yearned to wander about the door to be truly free. Blinker was perfectly aware that there were moments when the girl, the door was left open. It was only a matter of time when that would occur again. When it did, he kept asking himself, should he or should he not escape? After all, there was the problem of silver sides. What was the point of freedom if it only led to death? Everything changed for Blinker that night. Silversides crept into the room, leaped onto the girl's bed, and almost caught him. When the girl chased Silversides from her room, she meant to slam the door shut. Being half asleep, she did not check to see if the door was truly closed. After the attack, Blinker was too wide-eyed with fright to sleep. Instead, he prowled restlessly about the room. It took only a short time before he saw the door was open a crack. But anxious about Silversides' whereabouts, the mouse crept to the window and stared out into the world. Moonlight illuminated the deserted street below. Trees appeared tall and majestic. The early spring flowers, daffodils, and crocuses seemed to glow. Suddenly, a white cat darted across the street. Blinker blinked. It was Silversides. As Blinker watched, the cat streaked off. He suddenly realized that he was free to leave the room. Just the thought of freedom made the white mouse tremble. He glanced over his shoulder. The girl had gone back to sleep. Hardly thinking of what he was doing, Blinker leaped to the ground and scampered to the open door. In moments, he was over the threshold. Down the stairs, he ran. At the bottom, he began an almost desperate search for a way to get outside. Unfortunately, every door was closed. So, too, was the window. But when Blinker did find... what. But what Blinker did find was a cat's entryway at the rear of the house. Blinker was neither strong enough nor big enough to push the door open, but he was smart. Once he figured out how the cat door worked, he pushed it pushed it as if it were a swing over and over again, watching the door swing higher and higher. He set his movement for when the door was at its highest. Then he shot through, pulling his tail behind him with room to spare. Blinker was outside and free. That is the end of chapter 7. That's enough for tonight. I like this story. Love you guys. Bye.